All right, good afternoon, good evening, or good morning, wherever you are in this world. This is Max from the Fearless Happiness Podcast, and today I have an amazing guest with me to share his story of, shoot, coming back, redemption, whatever you want to call it. I have an amazing friend here today. His name is Steven Snook, and I'm going to let him tell you who he is and what he does. So, what I like to have my guests do, Stephen, is I have you introduce yourself and tell my audience like who you are, what it is you do, and then we're going to get rocking and rolling. Fantastic. Thanks for that intro, Max. So go ahead, Stephen, introduce yourself to my audience and let them know what you do, and, and, and then we'll get into your story. Sure. Fantastic. Um. Well, I was recently released about eight months ago after serving 19 years in federal prison for a nonviolent drug crime. Uh, I, was, I was charged as a career offender. Um, I'd been involved in crime since I was about 15 years old. Um, so, you know, my, my story is, is a story that is unique in the way that I was delivered and freed in my mind and in my spirit. Um, 20 years in prison is a long time for anybody to serve. Uh, my journey was nine different federal prisons all across the South, the East Coast, and the Midwest. And um, God's brought me to a place in my life, man, where I'm currently just full of joy, man, and doing everything I can to to, to help the people that he puts in my path. Um, you know, thanks for sharing that with us. And, and And what I want my audience to know, like, I have some audience members who have been where you've been, right? I've had a guest who has done 20 years in prison and knows that what you're talking about. Right. So, but with the federal system, right? Like tell me if I'm right or I'm wrong, but when you get a sentence, you do like 85% of that sense. Like there's no getting, there's no, like they have in the state, right? Good time, work time. And you get half time or whatever they call it. Right. I've never been to prison, been to jail, but explain that. Like when you do federal time, you're going to do most of that time. There's like, there's no early parole or anything, correct? Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a subject that I've got a, a, a vast amount of knowledge on, having done a lot of legal work for people in federal prison. Uh, right before I left, I helped a Hispanic man from Arizona um, get 20 years off of his 55-year nonviolent drug sentence. Um, the way the feds work and the way they send you, you do do 85% of your time. Uh, but the way they work is they they give you a tremendous amount of time for these nonviolent drug crimes. And a lot of that is based on two factors, the amount of drug weight and your prior convictions. In my instance, the prior convictions that were used against me was a nonviolent marijuana case that I got probation for. And for a case in Illinois where I had a 17 year old girlfriend when I was 21, they used those two cases to charge me as a career offender. So I got caught with six kilos of, of cocaine. And oh, wow. the minimum sentence that I could get was 262 months, which is just two months shy of 22 years, um, having to serve 85 percent of that. So you can see that I ended up doing about 19 years in federal prison. Um, it, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up. If you let me just just continue along this vein real quick. Absolutely. It, it's it's in the river, but it's a little bit different stream. OK, no, I, my mission is. To, Go ahead Thank and take you, it away. I want I want you to inform my audience like like of the challenges, like what you're about to share with us of 
of federal sure. time or even in prison in general. But yeah, go ahead. Like take the go ahead, Stephen. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Well, what I do and what I try to do now through writing my book and, and developing my business, what I try to do is I try to help as many men or women or children as possible to heal from having gone through similar things that I went through in my young life. And the ability to avoid the mistakes that I made. Maybe I can let them shave on my face a little bit so they don't make the mistakes that I make that end up costing them decades of their life and losing their families. Um, One of the things that I've been doing is I've been trying to create a little bit of a social image, um, you know, to try to meet people. When I got locked up, there was no Facebook. There was no smartphone. So I've been a little bit introduced to that, trying to do YouTube and TikTok and things like that. And predominantly... Uh, Max, I'm focused on encouraging things and talking to people about the Lord and how I got saved and how I was able to be in prison with joy in my heart and help other people. But a couple of weeks ago, uh, the president, President Biden, and, and I don't want to get political here because I know whether you have a vast audience that crosses uh, both sides of that fence. So I'm not really trying to touch on that here. Right. But the president came out and said that he was going to pardon federal inmates that were in there for possession, simple possession of marijuana. Right. So I was at work when I saw that and it it really hit a note in my heart because I'd been in there so long and I'd heard so much of the BS about laws changing for nonviolent offenders. And the whole time I was watching guys that were convicted felons getting caught with loaded firearms, getting two year sentences, three year sentences and drug offenders getting 15, 20 years, 40 years, 50 years. And I said, well, this is not right. As my sentence continued, I noticed that there was a tremendous uptick in violence in America. And I started to put the two together. I spent a lot of time in federal prison interviewing other inmates about that were coming into the system about what they thought was wrong, trying to keep my finger on the pulse of maybe what was going on on the street and figuring out what was going on and, and how could I help. Right. Um, but when the president came out and said that, Max, it hit a note on me. So I picked my phone up and I made a little video at work and I just said, listen, this is not right. I've been in federal prison for 19 years. I've talked to so many men all across the country, and there's nobody in federal prison for simple possession of marijuana. Now, I clicked off the video. I ended up checking and doing a Google search on it. There are zero inmates in federal prison for simple possession of marijuana. But I posted that video on my YouTube channel and on TikTok. Within nine hours, it had almost 35,000 views combined. Wow. So people were interested in that. Now, I I pulled back from that. I didn't want to get into that and start talking about gun laws or these other things that would get people excited with the election coming up and and getting tremendous views, even though, you know, that would be good for me and the position that I am to get my message out there. Right. I wanted to stay consistent about who I am and what I really want to talk about, which is salvation through the Lord and joy in your heart and living your best life, man. Because if you're living your best life, you can help more people. You know what I mean, brother? I do, because that's my mission. Help as many people find their fearless happiness, you know, like however that looks for them. So, yeah, I get it. And let me ask you, because this is what I have seen, right? Like even back when I was getting in trouble way back when, right? Remember, I don't know, the the two strike, the three strike laws, right? Mm-hmm. So I remember like I'm like, God, green as green can be, right? I'm going to L.A. County Jail or to court in L.A. County, right? And I was, this is when they started passing that stuff, right? Like three strikes, you're yeah. gone, right? So I'm sitting next to uh, apparently, you know, an OG that's been in the system for a while. And he goes, 
He goes, I'm getting, I'm looking at 25 to light for a scrapey bag. That wasn't even mine. I just happened to be in the car, but because I was on parole and I was in that car, I'm going to go do 25 to life now for barely anything on that bag. Right. Because as you know, back then they were like, you could look at someone wrong because you're a two striker. You're going to do major amount of time. Right. So, um, like I'm, I, I'm trying to understand and I, I'm glad you're here. Right. Because I'm not trying to get political either, but I think that whole thing with buying is a bunch of BS, right? Because there's no one really in federal prison, like you said, for simple possession, right? They always try to tack things on and to make it stick, right? And to give you those sentences, right? And as you know, because you, you're proof, you're living proof, more people are getting longer sentences for drug possession and drug charges than someone who kills someone. Yes. And it, it doesn't make sense. So I just wanted to bring that up. I'm going to let you continue. So keep sharing because this is everybody listen up. This is going to be really good stuff because I'm, I'm so glad Steven's on the, the podcast today. Brother, uh, Max, I'm going to trip you out with this one. This one, And I'll trip your audience out with this one. You'll get some feedback on this because it's a little controversial. So and after this, I'm going to get spiritual. I'm going to give you my <laughs> testimony and talk about how the Lord turned my life around. Okay. But this is mind blowing. Okay. During the course of time that I was in federal prison, um, President Obama, he ran on a platform of prison reform. And that started happening. Some of the Democratic candidates started to run on platforms of prison reform, and he did. So when he got elected, I believe it was 2008, eight nine that season right there, we were so excited. I mean, every federal prison was just, guys were just so excited. It was a celebration. Even the guards were celebrating because they know we're getting too much time for these nonviolent drug crimes. Right. The Democrats had the House, brother, and the Senate, and he didn't do anything. He passed something called the Fair, it was the Fair Sentencing Act, which made the crack ratio go from 100 to 1 down to 18 to 1, but he signed it in the legislation as being non-retroactive, which meant that all those crack offenders that I was in prison with, which were mostly black guys, young black guys that got caught with a piece of crack about as big as your thumb, that got 30 or 40 years, they couldn't get any relief, Max, because it wasn't retroactive. They were time barred. So watch what happens, brother. And this is nuts. This is why I can never trust the political system as it stands right now. I know it's the best in the world. I know that it is. I love America. I do. I'm, I don't, I'm not bitter or anything like that from doing all this time because it was the greatest opportunity that a man that grew up the way I did could have. You know what I mean? It was a great opportunity to read, to educate myself, and to get close to the Lord and to pray and fast. Trump gets elected. He was out there talking about giving drug offenders the death penalty, like the president of the Philippines. So when he got elected, we just figured it was over with, and whoever was in there was stuck. He grabs Jared Kushner, and they get prison reform passed because Jared Kushner's father had been in federal prison. Now, think about how crazy this is. They come in and get prison reform passed. They take the fair sentencing uh, law that Obama signed that was non-retroactive, and Trump said, make that retroactive. So the guys that I've been locked up with for 15, 20 years, brother, that had no sight to get out. I just left one in the halfway house not long ago, had a life sentence, bro. Did 16 years on a life sentence, but that law changed, let him out because they made it retroactive. You know what I mean? So sometimes it just goes to show, man, you really don't know who's standing for what until they get in there because people will say about anything. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I know your audience didn't know about that. <laughs> Unless you lived it and you walked through it, you just wouldn't know it, bro. 
Absolutely. And and thank you so much for sharing that because there is so much that they withhold from us, right? Where they look good on TV and tell us, oh yeah, it's going to be great. Blah, 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 blah. Right. But then when you know the cameras go away, we all know we're the ones that suffer, right? Because, because they either don't keep their promises, right? Or, or there's all these hidden in these laws where, you know, uh, like you said, like for instance, when that law was passed or that legislation, right? It was probably like, sorry, you guys, sorry about your luck, but we're not making it retroactive, right? So I bet you a bunch of guys just was like heartbroken and going, like, I'm doing all this time for just a little bit of crack or a little bit of cocaine or, you know what I mean? And they're making me seem like I'm some drug kingpin, right? When that's not the case, you know what I mean? And it was heartbreaking, Max. I saw guys walk to the front gate with all their property, their clothes, their bowls, their cups, their coffee, and tell the officers, you got to let us go. And eventually they would have to lock the guys up because they wouldn't go back to their housing unit. They said, no, Obama just passed this law. It's going to let us out. So it it just very ugly. But in, in full disclosure, I am the last person that somebody would want to talk to about prison reform if they just wanted to open the gates of the prison because I'm not that guy, bro. Right. Prisons are there for a reason. And there are guys that do need to be there. And sometimes when a person is really strung out on drugs, giving them a little bit of time is detrimental to them. It's a you know, just walking. Yeah. You sometimes you might need to give that guy about three or four years where, you know, in the state, they might give him two or three months because of overcrowding. Well, two or three months, he's barely dried out. Right. He's still an addict when he walks out of there. Uh, you know, he's he's itching. But if you give him three or four years to work on himself, that little bit of time might hurt him. You know, he might not see it then, but he'll see the benefits of it, you know, as he progresses during that sentence, if he truly does work on himself. A three or four year timeout does a heroin addict or a hardcore meth addict a lot of good, bro. No, and I get it because that's that's what I was facing right before I got sober. It was either the judge gave me two options, right? You're going to prison. Or you're finding, I'm finding you a place, but you're not going to walk my streets anymore. You know what I mean? And, Mm. you know, I I thank God to this day, right? 19 years later, I'm clean and sober. I thank him for having that judge who rarely gave third chances, give me a third chance, right? And here I am today on a podcast with an amazing human being called Stephen Snook, who is helping people, you know, like you said, become a better and more elite version of themselves, whether it's in prison or outside of prison. And my hat's off to you, my brother, but you're right. I probably would have needed it. Right. If I, if I didn't change my ways, you know, that prison was coming. Right. And it would have been the wake up call. Like, but I thank God I didn't have to go. Right. And it's allowed me to work with all types of people being a counselor, right. Whether it's, you know, the 18 to 25 year old who came from mom's house and mom and dad did everything from them to working with my fellow, you know, people that have been incarcerated, right? I went to a place where, and here's how bad it was, right? I went to a place where one side was all the people with insurance and out of state, right? And then the whole other side was people that came from either probation or parole. And it was funny back then when I went to that side, I was like, oh, I'm home. Like I feel, I don't relate to these guys, but I relate to my buddies over here, right? And you know, God has found it fit, you know, or the universe, whatever you want to call it out there, anybody, but seven of us are 15 plus years sober still from that time. 
that stuck together wow. and, and and made sure that we were going to hold each other accountable and, and do work like you're doing, right? So I want you to continue, Stephen, because people need to know this stuff, right? Like you were facing a lot of time and you decided to change. And here's my thing. I wish there was more guys like you in prison that would help other people, right? But we know it's different in different places and just the, the politics that go on in prison. But like, you are like a saint, right? Like a guys could probably come to you and go, Hey, Steven, I need your help. And you're like, sure, let's go over here and I'll tell you what you need to do. Right. So tell the audience, like how that started for you back in prison, where you, you made that decision, like whether I'm in here or not, I'm going to change and become a better human being. How did that start for you? Well, I'll go back a little bit to when the first time I went to prison when I was 21, um, I was just a man that was out of control, brother. Drug trafficking was my life, even though I, I wasn't going to prison for drug trafficking at that time. That's who I was and what I was about. I went to prison, jumped right into gang banging. Um, I was doing hits in prison as a young man. If you can picture that, just walking around, shaved head, giant gang tattoo on my chest. <laughs> wild. After I catch my federal case. So if you fast forward about four years, I get out of prison from that state sentence and I just fall right back into it just more than ever. I'm dumping cocaine all over my community at rock bottom crisis. When I go to federal holding to await uh, pretrial, I send my brother on a mission to uh, to go do some things to collect some money. My younger brother. Um, A week later, after I send him on this mission, I get on the phone. And I call home and they say, hey, did you hear about what happened? I said, no, what happened? They said, well, your brother's on life support. He was in a high-speed police chase after doing a shooting. You know, it looks like he's going to die. Oh, wow. So this is what I've done now. Not only have I destroyed myself, but I begin to destroy everybody around me, everything I touched. Okay? And there's no excuse for that. Now, I'm going to tell you, brother, I was adopted as a kid at two years old by some straight crazed alcoholic uh a man that was in the military that was a boxer that taught me and my brother how to fight at a very young age and be violent it was like we were raised by wolves brother we didn't get loved ever in our life but there's no excuse you know what i mean but it kind of that type of upbringing produces a person like that so here i am spreading that poison i'm hurting people and when i heard that man i just i put the phone down went into my jail cell man and gave my heart to jesus right there I didn't know that much about the Lord or about God. I hadn't been to church in my life, but a few times, that's when I got born again, man. I got real serious about it, man. And um, so I went to federal prison with that, you know, and um, I just carried that with me. You know what I mean? Um, In 2017, it really changed gears for me, bro, because at that time now I'd been in federal prison almost 15 years. And I went to solitary confinement, which is practiced real aggressively in the United States. Uh, Something that I think is wrong, but they put you in solitary confinement for long stretches of time, months and months and months for minor offenses. So they put me in there for a year. So I was in solitary confinement for a year, bro. And that's when I was just in there praying and fasting. I did a couple week long fast. I would pray all day, every day, read every version of the Bible I could get. And that was just a turning point for me, man, because the, the men that were around me on that tier inside of that that former ADX maximum security prison where people had killed themselves and officers had been killed inside this prison that's inside the prison is what it right. is. Right. Guys back there, bro, started to get saved. Guys were getting born again. 
and then they would get transferred out of there and they were taking that to other prisons. So that was that was really when I would say my journey of just being full fledged about helping other people escape the the position that they were in, whether it was their fault that they were in that position or not. It's not my right. business. You know what right. I mean? Right. But if you're willing to put in the, the dedication and you're desperate enough to get out of there, I can show you how to get out of there. I can show you what worked for me and I can lead you that way. And, and that's, see, that's what I think is amazing, right? It's like the, um, the whole 12 step, you know, view, like one alcoholic or one addict helping another. Right. So it's one convict helping another. Right. Um, and with no judgment and just going, Hey, this is how I did it, bro. Like if you're willing to see how I did it, this could help you too. And that's amazing to me, bro, because we know, right. Prison is not the most joyous place to be on and it's hard. And then like yourself getting put in solitary confinement, like that's 23 hours a day. Correct. From what I hear. Many days it's Many days it's 24 hours a day. Okay, man. Many so, days we would get uh, three showers a week. Wow. And, you know, that does take a toll on the human mind, right? Because you have no contact with anybody. Um, so, well, my ha- the- like I said, you know, like, like I'm in awe on how, how strong you are as a human being that, because like you said, it breaks people that, that can break someone and right. They either lose their mind or they, they, they don't want to live anymore. And, um, so I think when you said you gave yourself to the Lord back in the the holding right for your trial, mm-hmm. God said, no matter where you go, I'm going to be with you and I'm going to make sure you get through it. Right. And then here you are today on, on my show, which is a big honor for me. So just continue, like let the audience know, like the stuff you, cause my whole, the whole premise of this is right to show people the challenges they've overcome to become a better human being or become successful. Right. And you're, perfect like you're like a perfect example of someone who went literally to hell and came back and now is coming back up on top so that's perfect so uh continue continue on my friend i'm 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 loving it now my phone went off max yeah you're still on i cannot see you brother oh i think you did you turn off your uh video I am I, um, someone. Let's see. Right here is video. I have an assistant here. And yeah, I, I can see. Okay, your there you are. There you are. I apologize about that. That's all right. I got an editor, so it's perfect. And we don't do video yet, so it'll be all audio. <laughs> I'm okay. working on my YouTube yeah, channel. Okay, cool. Because I'm learning. I'm learning technology here. Yeah. So what I was saying is continue how. You know, like even in those times in solitary, you you were still, you know, you you made this promise to God and, and that you were going to help people. And how did that keep you going, even in those times when you had no contact with other people? Okay, so the way that this particular prison was set up is it's a very old old penitentiary. Uh, in front of the cell is bars. The more the more modern prisons that were built, let's say from nineteen eighty five on. They are steel doors. So when they shut that steel door, that is it. You are just in there behind that steel door. These This particular prison had bars. And so therefore, there would be neighbors next to me. I couldn't see them, but they also had bars. So by yelling out, I could communicate with the other individuals that were around me. So, But what made that good 
and, and awesome in that time is that I was down there as I was down there doing my thing, reading my Bible, spending my time praying. Um, the guys that knew me, now you have to remember now, I'm a gangster. At this time, I was still a gangster, you know right. what I mean? And yeah. But I was also a Christian, and that made guys respect me because they could come to me knowing my history and even my history in prison. I didn't come to prison and get scared of doing a time and grab a Bible. That's called jailhouse religion, bro. That's a jailhouse conversion. Right. It could never work for me, Max. It just couldn't. I wasn't raised like that. Right. But when you have a real encounter with God, and you understand what did it cost you to get that to get that close to God, you appreciate it a lot more. So the men that were around me that knew me, they knew something was going on down there. So what ended up happening is we ended up starting having Bible studies almost every night. And different inmates would get moved up to that range. And even though we couldn't see each other, they could hear. So guys would get off their bed and come to the bars to be able to hear that message of hope and that message of faith on a daily basis. I mean, I had men that would tell me the first time they ever heard me talking about Jesus in the Bible, they said, brother, all I could think about down here was when they open these bars, I need to go down there and kill you. And I said, you know what? I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that that's what the way you're thinking right now. Right. But then out of the same breath, they say, but you know what? Everything you said was for me. So please don't stop doing that. So they would ask me every night, Regardless if a person is super spiritual, if they're into the Bible, they're into the Lord or they're not, that uh, a message of hope and faith in a very dark, dank place is magnified. If you can imagine how much it's magnified out here in the world when you see a daily scripture or a daily inspirational quote every day. Right. Just think about that for a moment. You're in a place that's hopeless. Even the guards don't care about you. I mean, they will tell you. That we had guards that would walk down our tier and say, Don't you guys know that nobody cares about you? That you are inside the dungeon that's inside the prison. The warden doesn't care that you're back here. We don't know when you're going to get out of here. And it's just, it's part of that psychological punishment. And, and it is practiced in America very aggressively, man. Solitary confinement is. Oh, I, I've had friends that done that, you know, the shoe, right? Like in the, the shoe. state prisons, state prison systems and, Man, they can. They, they, I've had a few tell me, and I, you know, I think they're the strongest men. He goes, man, that my time in the shoe almost broke me. You know, if I didn't get real with myself, like you said, and that's funny that you say that. Not funny, but like guys in that, right? Like Stephen, I wanted to kill you, but at the same time, they're going, but I need to hear that message, right? So yeah. that is so cool because you became that light in that dark dang place for these gentlemen right for these convicts and you were the light that was shining that gave them hope so like i said yeah. that that's like my hat's off to you for doing that right because it takes a lot right especially like you said right you're no g right you're a gangster they're not expecting yeah. that from you right and then no but here's the thing that i this is my opinion right you showed your leadership even as an og gangster and you said I'm going to stick to my guns, excuse my language. I'm still going to be a badass, but I'm going to be a badass for the, for the Lord, right? For God. And whether you like me or not, I'm not going to stop doing it. And that's the sign of a true leader, right? And you were in there, your mission, it sounded like your purpose at that time was to help these guys get through that difficult time. So thank you for sharing that with, with my audience. And, you know, cause a lot of the, we don't hear about it, right? You know, you got your TV shows and everybody think it's this or that, right? Where it could be completely opposite of that. Um, so what are some, um, 
because you said it right. Not only did you have fellow inmates that might have been a challenge, but right to hear that from the from the guards, right? Like you know, no one cares about you. You can sit here all day long. We don't care about you. What are some of the things that you did for yourself to that kept you going? Was it the, was it your faith? Correct that just your faith that God was going to get you through that, right? That kept you going in those times. Yeah, absolutely. I just I had to prove it to myself, man, that I was so serious and so desperate about changing the course of my life. And that's where the fasting really became big for me, because back when you're in solitary confinement and you're not allowed to buy commissary items like food, those meals that you get, they're the highlight of your day. But if you're willing to give those up and say, Lord, I'm going to give you this and I'll give it to another man down the hall that may need it more than me and spend this time with you. That is what really radically changed me. I'll tell you something else, Max, that really helped a lot was about six months into the journey. um, I had a friend that I was in correspondence with. We could still send out letters. So I'd send out maybe one or two letters. The man that I was writing, he'd done 22 years in prison, in federal prison. At the time I was writing, he'd probably been out seven or eight years. He's a real old G. He was probably, I don't know, 68 or 69 years old when I'd write him these letters. And he said, hey, you need to write a book and tell the story of your life, but tell the story about what's going on back there. What's God doing back there? You know, just start out with your first memories. He said, maybe it's for nobody. Maybe it'll just be for your kids. And I said, well, I really don't want to do that. But he was on me about it. He was persistent. So back there, you've got a pin. They allow you to have a a little rubber pin that's extremely flexible, so you couldn't hurt anybody with it. It's about two and a half inches long. Excuse me. They give you a limited amount of paper. And I just sat down and started writing four or five pages at a time, man. Started with my earliest memories of my life. And, and you know, about halfway through that, then I just started writing about all the things that were happening back there in solitary confinement and the men I was meeting, the different stories of the men. You know, I had neighbors that were former MMA fighters that were back there for fighting in the prison, breaking guys' legs, um, you know, various different types of gang members and just a, a, a plethora of, of various individuals and how they were handling everything. So when I got out, you know, that was in 2017 when I got out in 2022 and I started to work on my business plan to try to start a business and and figure out how I could help as many people as possible. The director of the building that I work in, I just happened to drop it one day just talking. And I, and I told him, you know, I wrote a book one time. And he said, well, you wrote a book. And I said, yeah, I wrote a book one time. I did a year in solitary confinement. He knew my life story. He was a former fraud investigator. So he investigated me very thoroughly before he let me come <laughs> up there and start working because it's connected to the college here. Right. He said, do you still have it? I said, well, I think a friend of mine might have it in Florida. Uh, let me write him. So I wrote him. I sent for it. We got all those original papers, man. And we took that manuscript and I and we got down into business and we started to edit it. And, and that's going to be my book, Extraordinary Solitude. And it's being edited right now. It's, it, Max, it's got some incredible stories in it, man. I believe it's going to help a lot of people, man. Absolutely. And I know I'll be one of the purchases your book, I promise, because I can't wait to read it. Just from hearing your story so far, right? Man, you have been through a lot, right? And And like you said, sometimes the circumstances that like growing up, right? Like you had no choice. That's kind of how you grew up. And then you carry that on. And, but to have the wherewithal, the insight, the strength to go, that's not right. I'm going to change my ways. Right. So since you've been out of prison, right. Since like, what are some of the, it's not all about challenges, trust me, but what are some of the challenges you've, you've have faced since you've been out of prison? And, and then 
we'll get into like what your, you know, your business is and how you're helping people. But right. We all come out like you, especially when you do that much time, like you said, things have changed drastically. Right. And so what are the, some of the challenges that you have faced even since you've been out of prison? Okay. Great question. <laughs> great <laughs> question, bro. Because there's a lot of, you know, at first you're in shock. Okay. You're in complete culture shock and social shock because in prison, you don't have access to the internet. You do get to watch television. So you're kind of keeping your finger on the pulse of what might be going on. Uh, my two adult children that were both babies when I got locked up, they came to see me the day that I got out and they came to see me in the halfway house. And my daughter brought me this phone and, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty modern, uh, iPhone 11. And she's like, well, here you go, dad. And I'm like, uh, no, this is not going to, so, you know, I didn't know how to turn a phone on. I didn't know how to take a phone call. You know, I'd never seen Facebook. I hadn't kissed a girl in 20 years. All those things are just, right. you know, it, it, it's just so much. It's just so much. You know, one of the things that I did, because I, I like these out of the box, common sense approaches to everything. Right. If you've been through something, you probably have a different perspective than somebody that may be considered an expert in the field. When I gave the speech at Bradley University, they gave me the floor up there, Max, for two hours to a, to a classroom of graduate students. All of them are going into law enforcement or to be uh, lawyers, prosecutors. Some of them will be judges. You know, this is a very expensive private university. And I'm explaining to them some out-of-the-box solutions to some violent crime issues that they'd never heard before. And I talked to them about one very common sense issue about how is it that you can be in prison for 15 or 20 years. And when you're getting ready to leave, you're 30 days to being released. They don't have a class to show you how to use a phone. Well, they should do that. So while I was in the federal halfway house, they had a, a big shot, of a, a very nice person. I, I don't say that in a bad way. She came, she goes to Washington DC and she's big over all the halfway houses. She walked into my room and I had some business plans up and stuff that I'm trying to work on and how can I outreach and, and talk to as many people as possible and help them. And she said, let me ask you something. It looks like you got your stuff together pretty good. How much time did you do? And I said, well, I did almost 20 years. She was like, wow. She said, what would be the biggest thing that you would fix or change if you could? And I pulled that phone right out of my pocket. I said, it would be this. I said, this is inexcusable that the government could put someone in prison for 20 years and not teach them how to use a smartphone. And the moment they walk out, everything that they try to do is operating off this phone, whether it's a job interview, it's paying a bill, it's contacting a family member. Max, she looked at me stunned. She said, it's one of the best ideas I've ever heard. I'm taking it to Washington, D.C. She said, I can tell you right now, they're going to be concerned about because they, they believe that phones in prisons are a problem. I said, nobody in prison's got smartphones. Very, very rarely would you see something like that in prison. I said, if they're worried about somebody taking it, chain it to the wall. Let's use some common sense. Chain it to the wall in the classroom where you teach them how to get on there and send an email and how to do this. It's a simple fix. She said, I'm running with it. So she, I never saw the lady after that. She said she was going to run with the idea. Little stuff like that, brother. Little common sense ideas, man, can go a long way, man. Absolutely, right? And keep it simple, like you said, right? I mean, they put them on chains in the stores, right? If you Have you ever been into a store, right? They're like glued to the back with a big old cable. Like, you can't take that thing, right? So I right. get what you're saying, right? Like, but those, they got to understand, like guys like yourself who have been locked up for so long, right? They've missed all that technology and how to use it. No one... None of the guards are coming in and going, here, Stephen, let me show you how I use this phone, right? So when you get out, you'll be ready, right? They don't do that. 
Right. So that's that's really cool. Um that yeah, and let's hope, right, that she didn't get bogged down that she remembers this and that she does use that, right? And they start doing it both the federal and state where they have, right? You know, I know for instance, California used to be the CDC, California Department of Corrections, right? Now they threw in the California Department and Rehabilitation, right? But we know that it is not always true, right? There's no really rehabilitation going on, right? And we can get that's a whole different topic, right? But we need guys like you and myself, like I try to educate people, right? Like you can change. doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to be a free man because here's what I heard, Stephen, you became a free man, even though you were locked up in prison. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. When I, when I see the title of your podcast, the fearless happiness podcast. Okay. If you can imagine a, a man feeling so liberated and so free and so full of joy in some of the darkest positions that you can be in. That's who I was, but I wasn't alone in that because other men could see that that was in me and I could show them how to get that. I could lead them on that path. You know what I mean? Because I had most likely been through what they'd been through in their life. A guy can't come to me and I can sit there and interview him and he pours his heart out to me and tells me about he'd been abused as a child. I can relate to that. I went through that, brother. Right. I got that. And yeah. if he comes to me and says, man, I've just been a drug addict ever since I was young. I said, I got that. I've been through that, brother. You know what I mean? So I came up from the mud, too. And I can show you, you know, that there's a remedy to this and how to and how to overcome that. And unfortunately, you know, sometimes we miss the boat on that, man, when we get too technological with it. We try to teach guys out of a textbook. They've got all these programs in prisons, um, you know, that are very ineffective, very ineffective. This guy's not going in there to pour his heart out to some psychologist that, that works eight hours a day and goes home to their to their family and right. has no ability to relate with what you've been through. So <laughs> excuse me. one of the really effective ways that I saw is that, at least for me, if I could find guys, like if I wanted to learn something, if I wanted to learn about the stock market, Right. Or if I wanted to learn about how to, you know, flip real estate or something like that, I would try to find somebody in the prison that had lived that life. And I would try to ask them, hey, man, you did this. Can will you teach me how to do it? I'd appreciate it, you know. And I think it kind of works the same way when it comes to people that have been drug addicts or maybe have been abused when they were young. If if there could be a program like that where there are inmates that have been through that, that are men enough and brave enough. That, you know what I mean? That are not cowards and not worried about being perceived as soft. Maybe they got a pedigree that says, man, this guy ain't soft. Right. But he, and he can come and help a guy like that. Brother, that would be huge because the people in prison, most of them are coming out. They're going to be returning citizens, you know? Right. And, and you're absolutely correct. Right. And, and, and unfortunately, unfortunately, right. We know in the prison system, right. You got to show a certain right? You can't be soft or they're going to prey on you, right? Or, you know, certain people will try to, right? And, but like you said, I, I couldn't agree more, right? If we had guys in there that were, you know, brave enough to go like, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I'm going to help this person or guys that are willing to do the work. I'll be here with them and I'll do it. You said it perfectly. It's just like how addicts and alcoholics help each other, right? The basic premise is one alcoholic, one addict helping another, right? So, Cause we've been there. We've done that. Right. Uh, you know, so it's like, I can't go share my drug story in like say a normal group of people. 
right? I might share some weird, crazy stuff. And before we know it, half the room's gone, but like, we're out. Like, this guy's crazy, right? We got to go. Yeah. But like, yeah. me and you, right? We're all people that were like minded and did some of the same things. We might go, whoa, I did that too. I, I don't feel alone now, right? I, I get it. Like, I'm not alone. It's other people have been through it, right? And, uh, it's the same for the prison system. You're right. Like if guys can do that, right. And relate to each other and, and help each other. Right. Maybe they're, maybe the reform of prisons starts within with, with the inmates. Right. I hope and yeah. pray. Right. Like there's more guys like you and they're still in there going, I'm going to be like Steven and, and try to help guys and help myself at the same time. Right. Because I don't know about you, but it feels good when I work with someone and they come back a year later and they say, Hey, Max, I'm still sober because of what you did for me and what you, what you shared with me and how you helped me. Right. Um, like I couldn't relate to some of my friends who have done long-term prison terms. Right. I, I don't, the drug addict part, of course. Right. But when I see them talking to like, say someone who just came out of prison and they're helping this guy. Right. And they're, this guy's looking at my friend like this guy's an OG. If he can be good, like I know I can, right? Just to see that look on their face, like hope, right? If there's a little glimmer of hope, I believe it goes a long way, right? And you started that, my friend, by doing what you did in prison, right? Because you just shared it with my audience how guys, even though they said they wanted to kill you, right, sat down and listened and probably changed their lives because of you. So thank you for doing that. No, brother, I. I thank you, man. And you know, I got to give the glory to the Lord, man, because that's Absolutely. where my heart is. You know, yeah. um, here's here's what's interesting. And I think some of your listeners, Max, will find this interesting. People that that don't have that story, that haven't been um, substance abusers or haven't been to prison or never been in any trouble that have their stuff together. That might be listening right now. When I first got out, I joined a men's group. OK, I wanted to be around men that were in the community that maybe owned businesses or maybe were uh, engineers. So I joined the men's group that met in the basement of a church. And there's about 50 to 60, depending on the night that go there. And we usually meet once a week. I noticed something after being there for only a month. So probably four or five meetings in, I realized that a lot of what I learned in prison converted to being out here in the free world because these same guys had similar problems. Now, they may not have had the severe substance abuse issues, right? but many of these successful men, when they would open up and talk about their lives, had bad problems going on, brother. They yeah. were depressed in their marriage. They were having terrible difficulties with their children. They were losing their families. They hated their boss, whatever they were willing to open up about. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and me, coming from 20 years in prison, could say, hey, man, let's talk about it. Let's put it on that perspective of how big of a deal that it really is. Let's identify the problem and let's sit here and figure out a solution. We're going to name off two or three solutions because we're big about finding problems. Right. The biggest complainer you'll ever meet in your life is a guy in prison. He's going to complain about the food. He's going to complain <laughs> about the housing. He's going to complain about the cars. Okay, we got that. Let's, let's, we see there's a problem here and it's a bad one and it hurts and it's painful. Man, your marriage is having a little problem, whatever the case may be. Let's figure out what a solution could be. What do you think? Okay. Right. When was the last time you took your wife on a date? Now, this is me saying this. And I, I don't even know how to talk to a girl. But these guys are like, yo, right. that's fresh. We are not hearing that in church. Right. I even asked them one day. I said, you know, we were having one of our meetings a few months back. I said, can I say something, guys? Because everybody kind of gets an opportunity to talk. I said, how many men in this group right here have been sexually abused as children? Max, the hand started flying up. 
They'd never talked about it in church, brother. They'd been members of church 25, 30 years. I said, okay. I said, well, now we got something that we can talk about. Let's repair that, man. Have you ever told your wife about that? You never told your wife about that? Do you think that this could be causing a problem in your marriage? So, yeah, we've we've dug in there deep. But it's just interesting the way that some of that stuff from prison has been able to convert to the free world. Problems are problems, man, no matter where you're at. Absolutely. Right. And God's giving you that gift to help people of all walks of life, from what I'm hearing. And that's an amazing story, right? Like now you're helping gentlemen, right? Because they usually talk about like drug addicts and alcoholics, right? Usually there's people that would normally not mix, right? Because we got people from whatever background and you got, you know, like some of us who ran the streets or became homeless, right? Get us in a meeting and we're all doing this. We're all connecting, right? Because the opposite of addiction is connection, right? And that could be anything though, right? As If we learn to connect one human being to another, anything is possible, right? And like you said, to give the credit, like I would too, is everything I have is because of God, right? Because God has blessed me with not only my sobriety, but you know, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a grandfather. Number 10 is coming in December, right? I feel like <laughs> I'm a really lucky man, you know what I mean? And But it's not luck as I've done the work, right? And I've there's one thing I've always been taught, if I do God's work well, he'll take care of all my needs, right? And he has tenfold, right? So I'm with you on that. And, you know, I'm of the believers. I don't care where you come from, man. You can always make the change. And if you want to become a better person, um, there's people out there like Steven that will help you do that, right? Because he doesn't care. He wants to see you succeed. I'm the same way. I want to see everybody succeed, right? It just it just makes for a better world, right? And, you know, like I said, I've had firsthand, you know, I've, you know, mixed with all kinds of people, right? Like from suit and tie to like, you know, people that came out of prison and I've been in meetings where, you know, a homeless guy walks in and he just wants a cup of coffee, right? Sits down, has that coffee, listens to the meeting. And all of a sudden you can see like the lights go on his eyes. Like, cause no one, no one's kicking him out. Right. Uh, no one's judging him. Right. They're letting him have a free cup of coffee. And he's like, well, maybe there's something to this. Right. And it's like I said, another reason I'm so grateful you came and do this show because you're living proof of someone who's been at the worst of themselves and now is becoming their best selves. So thank you for, for sharing the stories you have shared with me. Um, but I always like to, don't like to end it always with like the challenges. So please give the audience, Steven, some of the, the, the wins you've had like lately, like since you've been out of prison and the things that bring you joy and knowing that, you know, the work you've done is paying off because God has given you those rewards. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, well, like I said, I've got the book completed, so it's just getting edited and that's going to be a big part of my ability to, to help other people. Um, in that book, I described a lot of dreams that I would have while I was in prison where the Lord would give me dreams. And I don't want to get super spiritual on your show, brother, cause I don't want any, I don't want to run anybody off <laughs> right. the religious tip, but the Lord gave me, um, uh, a lot of dreams over the years that just came true immediately, like the next day. But in 2020, he gave me a dream and he showed me some scriptures, some inspirational scriptures on the wall of a home and they were changing. So I woke up, Max, and I said, Lord, I I see what it is. I don't know how to make it work. I don't really understand what it is. You would have to show me that again because I don't understand it. And the very next night, brother, he showed it to me again and he showed me how it would work. So when I got out, 
I held on to that. I kept it secret for a couple of years. I got out. I want to just get reacclimated to society. You know what I mean? I want to go get a regular job and try to maybe start a family and, and, and have a nice steak dinner. You know what I mean? Start from yeah. the basics. Right. I started going to a community college, take a construction course. And after being there for about a week, man, I just heard God speak to me so clearly. He said, if you don't do something with that ideal I gave you, I'll give it to somebody else. So I immediately stopped what I was doing. I went on a search trying to figure out who I might talk to about an idea that I had. I'd never ran a business other than a drug business. So in my mind, I thought an idea was having a business. An idea is not having a business. You know what I mean? It takes a <laughs> right. lot of work. Yeah, I ran into some people for the from the uh, uh, Peoria Next Innovation Center here in Peoria, Illinois. One guy in particular, man, I told him what it where it came from, how I came up with it, and he didn't look at me and say, "Well, that sounds like you're crazy." Right. He said, "Why don't you come up and take a tour of the building?" And I came up, and the rest is history, brother. I'm I've been out now eight months. I've got several functioning prototypes. I have an investor in the business that's helped me uh, to make my my first initial purchase order. I've got an upcoming Kickstarter campaign. So this thing works. And as far as I know, there's nobody else doing it. So it's going to be really awesome. You know what I mean? And that's going to be huge because the more for me, the way that my life is scheduled to go for the rest of my time here on the earth, my job is to be a blessing to other people. If it's by giving them knowledge, by what I've been through, that's one way. If it's because I'm blessed in some financial way, that's another way. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, Max, I, you know, these are the type of things that you really shouldn't talk about because we all do them no matter how much we have or how little we have, we all do. But when I was riding my bike up to that building every day, um, you know, several miles every day, both ways, just to, you know, get there and try to be around those people to try to learn how to run a business mm. and try to develop this product to see if it would even work. They didn't even know if it worked or if it was possible. I drive by a bus stop. Okay. There's a lady there. She's got a baby and I just ride on by. I'm on my bike, bicycle. Now it's not a motorcycle. It's a bicycle. Right. And I said, wait a minute. Now, are you a Christian or not? Well, yeah, you are. We turn around. And I turn around. You know what I mean? It takes money. I'm a wall. I give to her. You know, that's just, you know what I mean? That's the love of God in your heart, man. The, the yeah. Bible talks about that. The love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. You've got to spread that. you got to give that to people, you know? You don't prostitute them. You don't sit there and hit them with the Jesus, 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 Jesus. You just rub people away. They think you're nuts. Right. But if you can show it to them and you can spread right. it to them, I believe God will continue to bless you so that you can bless other people. And that's that's what the mission that I'm on, man. Bless as many people as possible, whether it's with the story of my life, whether it's whatever the case may be, driving down the road, giving a stranger a ride. I don't care, man. Whatever it is, I'm going to do it. That's awesome. You've been a blessing on my show so far. So thank you for coming. Um, so now I want to get into the questions I like to ask of you, like specifics. So. Um, thank you for my audience is going to get so much out of this show, Stephen. You don't even know, like you have shared some really, really cool and amazing stuff, real and authentic. Right. So that's all I could ask. So thank you for doing that. But what I like to ask my guests, right, is fearless. What does fearless mean to you and what does that look like for you? And how does that show up in your daily living now, now that you're a free man? Yeah. Boy, that's a big word, Max. You sure you want to open that up with me? Absolutely. Okay. To me, fearless boils down to this. I believe based on the knowledge that I have about God from 
spending the time that I spent with him, which a lot of people don't ever have that opportunity in their life to spend a year in solitary with God, with the Bible, reading that Bible over and over and over. I understand now that God can use any man or woman that has a little bit of courage in them. He cannot use a coward, but he can use a convicted felon that has a little bit of courage in him. And he can use that man to help somebody else. So when you talk about fearless, I, I would replace that with courageous. You know what I mean? The very opposite of fearless. And if you can have a, just well up in yourself, just reach in there and grab a little bit of courage out of there and say, you know what? No, I'm not going to be afraid to step out and do this this time. God can use that person. He can use them every time. Absolutely. I love it. That That's that just gave me goosebumps, right? Because it's true, right? He uses the ones we least expect it or expect to be those warriors out in the world. If you think about it, look at yourself, right? I'm sure there's people out there going, well, how do we know Stevens this and this and that, right? But I'm telling you, audience, you got to see this gentleman. Like you could just see the fire in his eyes that he is all about trying to help another human being be better than Right. Like I always say, try to be 1% better than you were yesterday and you're already doing better. You know what I mean? I didn't, I didn't come up with that, but someone had taught me that. Right. But if you do that in the beginning of the year, you know, and you do it to the end, right, you'll be 365% better than you were the year before. Right. And uh, yeah, there's some mathematicians out there that will tell me my math is wrong, but it's just to make a point, right. That we can always be better. And thank you for sharing that, Stephen. Um, the next question I like to ask, knowing I put the Y in there, right? Everybody says you spelled it wrong. I said, I did it for a reason. What does happiness mean to you now? And what does that look like for you? Oh, Max, man, you're just opening them up, bro. You just, <laughs> oh, you know, this, you, you're digging deep, man. I like that's a good question, bro. To me, happiness, true happiness, I would go back to, being able to be in the darkest, what should be the darkest spot in your entire life and being able to have joy in your heart. I can remember times being in complete solitary in what it should be the darkest time of my life. Just to throw this in there also, this particular place had no air conditioning in the humidity, the nasty, sweaty, stinking Illinois humidity that's so thick. It's just, and there's no air conditioning in there. So for months out of the year, you feel like you're literally almost suffocating. And and happiness is having that joy in your heart where you can dance around that cell. And you, when you can do that, when you can reach in there and grab that, when God gives you what I call the joy of the Lord, you know what I mean? And I believe he gives that to you. And I believe that there's there's an extremely high degree of happiness and joy that comes from helping other people. You can see that throughout history from some people that have just dedicated every breath they ever had in their entire life to helping other people. And you say, wow, that poor soul. No, brother, you're missing it. You know what I mean? When Mother Teresa was in Calcutta, man, she had so much joy in her heart. You know what I mean? And, and and there's a lot to be said about that. And I'm sure there's a lot of people, like you said, that know a lot more about it than I do. But there's something about that. There's something about helping other people that puts such a joy in your heart, man. I don't care where you are or what you're doing, man. Yeah. It, it, it's an incredible feeling. And, you know, when you've experienced it, and I know that you have because I see what you're doing and I see what you're doing with your podcast, you know exactly what I'm saying, bro. Absolutely. I, I couldn't have said it better, right? It's. 
Yeah, like I have examples, you know what I mean? Like Gandhi, you know, his famous quote is, if you want to see the change, be the change you want to see in the world. Mother Teresa, right? She was, as they say, in the trenches with the poor, the desolate, like the, and and that brought her joy. That brought her happiness, right? You know, being there to help those people. You, and you know, I can see across from the screen here, right? Like I know when you talk about, even though that shit, like you said, have been some of your toughest times, I can just tell by the the energy you yeah. give off. That was some of your happiest times when you were helping other convicts, right? Either come closer to to God or learn how to be a better human being in such a bad place, right? And, you know, my, my prayer for you is that you never quit because I just have this great feeling about you, Stephen. You're going to help so many people. And again, like, thank you so much for being on my show. You gave so much information, so much hope to people, right? Because I'm a believer. I don't care where you come from. You can always help somebody, right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you were in prison. It doesn't matter if you're a drug addict or an alcoholic getting sober or just anybody, right? I was always, well, after my last relapse, my sponsor said, you don't get to pick and choose who you get to help. You're just going to help people, right? If you want to stay sober, you're going to just help. You're going to be you're going to be the guy that helps whoever puts their hand out. And I'm like, okay, right. I was beat up enough to go. Okay. And, and like I said, you know, I, I live a wonderful life, right. And I get to have a guest IQ, which just made my day. So this has been a great time, Steven. And, and before we go, I always ask this too, if people want to work with you, right. We know your book is in the works getting edited, but if people wanted to work with you, how would they get a hold of you? If they needed your help or, you know, they want to talk to you and, and get your support. How would they get a hold of you? Sure, brother. I appreciate that. My email is Jesus Speaks LLC at gmail.com. Um, my my Facebook is uh, you can go to Jesus Speaks LLC on Facebook. You can see my YouTube videos on Jesus Speaks LLC. And I just I had to throw the LLC on there because there were so many Jesus Speaks. <laughs> you know, so people still have a little difficulty finding me, believe it or not, because there's so many of these Jesus speaks out there. But I mean, you know, that that's my message. You know what I mean? He spoke to me, man. He spoke to me in some of the darkest places, man. He said, this is what you do. So, yeah. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. So before I let you go, one sure. last thing I'm going to ask of you is, and I ask this of all my guests. So what is one thing? One piece of advice, Stephen, that you can share with my audience that will help them grow and become a better human being. What is that one piece of advice you would give? Don't judge people. No matter what, one of the things that I've I've seen that I've realized is that even when a person is down and low, we have a tendency to say, well, at least I'm not doing as bad as that guy. Or at least I've never done what that lady's done. Brother, forget all that. When I when I was in prison and guys would have more heinous crimes than me, I could never say, well, I'm a bad guy, but at least I didn't do what that guy did. Once, Because guys do that in prison. Believe it or not, it's a real thing. It's a human nature thing, and it's real bad out here on the street. Shake that off. Say, you know what? No, I shake that off. I'm not going to judge this person like that. You know what I mean? If they're desperate and they're determined to change their life, I'll help them. Awesome. Did you hear that, audience? No judgment. And go help somebody. 
Stephen, again, thank you for being such an amazing guest. So everybody, if you got something from this, if it made you think, made you smile, if it made you just pay attention, please write a review so everybody can find this podcast. You can do it on iTunes or uh, Spotify. But this is going to be one of those interviews that goes down in history for me, Stephen. So thank you very much. Until next time, everybody, um, I'll see you later. And um, I'll see you on the flip side.